Hey, drama queens, welcome back. I just want to give you a quick trigger warning before this stream of consciousness goes off and does its thing. Um, today I will be talking about abuse, I will be talking about hospitalization and physical illness and medical talk, and I'm also going to be talking about smoking. Um, those are the things that I can remember and have written down, so if there's anything else that is triggering that I discuss in this episode, I apologize sincerely and I'll try to do better next time. But, um, buckle up for, I guess, around half an hour of me just unpacking a lot of stuff. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. I will talk to you later. Hello, drama queens. Welcome back to Post Dramatic, a podcast about my life <laughs> and the reasons why it's kind of funny that it sucks so bad, you know? Um, welcome. If you hear any sounds in the background, it's because I have no backbone, so I left the office door open because I didn't want my dogs to get sad that they couldn't come in. Um, so if you hear any dog tags or dog nails on the floor or any dog's ears when they shake, it's because that's, uh, that's how hard it is for me to say no to these animals. Welcome. <laughs> so this is my first episode by myself. So I don't really know how to entertain you guys. I'm just here alone talking to myself in a room. Um, I do have a couple of guests lined up for future episodes, but I just haven't recorded with them yet. And, uh, you know, I like to get things out on time when I can. So you guys are just gonna listen to me all by myself for hopefully a reasonable amount of time. <laughs> um, so I guess, I don't know, I guess I could kind of introduce myself if anybody didn't find this podcast because they know me from my personal life or my YouTube channel. Um, if you're just completely new to me and have no idea who I am, hello, my name is Kalayla. Um, I have a condition called Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder or Complex Trauma Disorder and essentially just like a very, very simple way to explain it is that it's PTSD but on steroids. Um, so complex trauma is repeated and prolonged trauma in the early developmental years of your childhood. Um, well, duh, because your childhood is your early developmental years. <laughs> um, but so essentially, if someone was abducted or abused in any way, um, just anyone who had anything traumatic happen in their early, early, early years that happened over a long period of time or happened many times over their childhood. So for me personally, it's weird to say this and put it out on the internet, um, even though I've done it on my YouTube channel a thousand times. It's weird to just come out and say it, but uh, I had a very turbulent childhood that involved many different brands of abuse. Um, and part of complex trauma is having your trauma presented to you by people who are supposed to be your caregivers, like your primary caregivers, usually. Um, so for me, that happened to be the case. And 
Um, yeah, it messed me up, and here we are. <laughs> so, without getting into any of the details in this particular episode, long story short, there were a lot of things that were detrimental to my health and safety that were repeated from, like, birth until probably around 24 when my mother passed away. Um, yeah, it's a good time. But anyway, yeah, complex PTSD. It is like PTSD, but it literally had an impact on how your brain developed. So it's... I don't, I don't think it's technically classified as a developmental disorder. Um, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's just a trauma thing. Um, but it really does impact how your brain develops because you are in such a fight-or-flight state so constantly that that's how your brain learns to view the world, essentially. Um, your brain will pick up on the fact that something's always dangerous. <laughs> and so that's kind of how my brain developed. And it, I didn't know that I had this condition until, I want to say, when did I start my YouTube channel? I knew about it for a very short amount of time before I started my YouTube channel. So I think it must have been maybe around two years-ish that... I've kind of known what I have, um, and it's wild to look back at my life and think about all the times that, like, I don't remember <laughs> because I was dissociated. Like, somebody will bring something up that happened during my youth, and I'll have absolutely no memory of it. It's crazy. Um, it is kind of a perk, though, because dissociation... Um, is a safety tool that you have in your uh, safety toolbox in your brain, and when something jumps out at you and screams danger, sometimes your consciousness will reach into that safety toolbox in your brain and pull out the depersonalization button and press it. <laughs> and then basically, it's like your mind and your body are two different entities. So... It's like, I feel like I'm floating around outside of my body, like usually just behind my head and up a little bit. So it's like, I'm kind of seeing things from out of my body, but not quite. If that makes any kind of sense. I don't know. If, if you know, you know. If you don't, then I'm sorry if I just confused you. <laughs> but yeah, so looking back at my childhood, there's so many times when there were things that I did or said that maybe weren't quite normal. Like, just some of the rules that we had at home were kind of outrageously pointless, I guess. Um, like, we weren't allowed to put any meat in a round container. It had to have four corners, or else I don't know what was going to happen. It was going to poison us or something, I think. Um, my mother had mental health issues, <laughs> if you haven't picked up on that. Um, she, we don't really know exactly what she had because we could never get her diagnosed or even properly assessed, but she was treated with antipsychotics for a very brief period when she was in the hospital for cancer. Um, 
and it made a huge difference. And just based on her symptoms, um, I'm I'm just telling myself maybe schizophrenia, because that's kind of the path we were going down treatment-wise when she was in the hospital and agreeing to take these pills. So, I don't know. We will never know. I could probably contact those doctors that tried to sneakily assess her, um, which, hmm, is that ethical? I don't know. But you know what? We thought she deserved a little bit of peace towards the end of her life, so um, they gave these pills to her to help her sleep, wink, wink, and, uh, because that is technically a use for them, apparently, um, and everything changed, and she felt joy, maybe for the first time in her life, um, for the couple of weeks that she took those pills before she decided they weren't working, so that's nice, I think that's really nice, I think it's really sad that, like, two weeks out of 50 years, um, but, you know, it was a good, good two weeks, Everybody got along. It was, oh, that, like, Italian chef's kiss. It was perfect. But yeah, in my childhood, I just, like, didn't realize the rules that she had made for me were kind of bogus. Um, so I would just talk about it, and maybe that is why I got bullied. I don't know, maybe. Um, I also talked to myself a lot. Uh, <laughs> so that could have been another reason why I got bullied. But the point is, I after elementary school, didn't really have too many friends, because I just, I was a weird kid. I can, I can accept that. I can own it. I was a weird kid. I reconnected in recent years with one of my, um, elementary school friends, and she told me, oh yeah, I remember you. You're the girl that used to talk to your grandma in the tree. Um, so that's embarrassing, because I really loved Pocahontas. So every tree that I thought was pretty was my grandmother Willow. Um, I don't know. I just kind of pictured my grandmother in the tree and pretended I was Pocahontas, okay? I was a kid. Let's move past it. So throughout my entire life, as far back as I can remember, my mother was a smoker. Um, she... Well, no, I don't want to identify her by her habit. She smoked cigarettes often. <laughs> and I think my first memory involving cigarettes was this house that we lived in until I was four, I think. I think it was like around the year before kindergarten-ish that we moved out of this house. But I was sitting at a little, my little plastic table and chairs set that every kid had in the 90s and probably still does now. And I had this bubble pipe. How bizarre is it that a pipe was an acceptable toy for a child? Maybe I started smoking weed because of my childhood? Well, yeah, of course, because I use it to combat my PTSD. But anyway, uh, we'll get into that later. Um, so I had this little bubble pipe. It was yellow, and I remember pretending to, like, tap off the ashes in my little bowl on the table. That was my pretend ashtray. And my mother was like, oh, Kalayla, come do X, Y, Z in the kitchen. And I was like, oh yeah, just let me finish my pipe. And she lost her mind and was like, no, 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 put that down. Okay, we're gonna go. Because <laughs> every time I asked for something, it was, okay, just let me finish my smoke. <laughs> oh, just classic childhood memories, eh? Love it. 
Um, but no, she smoked all through my life, and it was, you know, the thing that eventually was her downfall. Um, there's a thing that I kind of struggle with, with myself in my mind, as to whether the cancer killed her or the mental illness killed her. Um, because she smoked for, oof, I don't know, at least 23 years. Um, she tried to quit a couple times, and I think she had successfully quit, ironically, when she was hospitalized. Um, she had quit for, like, a couple months or something, so wah wah, that sucks. Too little, too late, I guess. Um, that's why I don't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> and I'm sure weed is no better, but, I mean, it's not cigarettes, so that's my justification of that. But no, sometimes I think how different my life might have been if my mother had smoked joints instead of cigarettes. And this is something I think about a lot because the difference in each substance is so wildly... It's different. It's They're two separate things. One of them, I don't know how cigarettes make you feel and what they do, but I've heard that it's just like, goes straight to your pleasure center and you feel relief, um, like stress relief, uh, from my understanding. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but with marijuana in Canada, where it is legal, um, where I live, <laughs> just to clarify, it kind of does the same thing, but it just like takes, it also takes the weight off of your mind and puts it onto your body, which makes it a lot easier to help you get to sleep, um, and makes you a lot more chill. Uh, <laughs> I have never seen anyone who has recently smoked weed who feels just awful and angry. So that's nice. It makes you a better person. Try it. No, don't try it. Do whatever you want if you're of age is what I'm trying to say, but don't. I don't know. I don't care. So it just, I wonder if she had smoked joints instead of cigarettes, would I be triggered by coughing today? Would she have had such a bad smoker's cough? Um, because she coughed a lot, <laughs> and when she got angry, she would cough and blame it on us, um, us being me, my brother, and my stepdad. Um, it would just, it, she would start coughing, and then she would start making a big production out of it, and then she would say that our negative energy was doing this to her. Um, but if she had smoked a joint, would she have said or thought or felt any of those things? Like, don't get me wrong, I don't think it was my mother saying these things. Something that I really, really need to clear up. When I talk about my mother in a negative context, it is nine and a half times out of ten I'm talking about her having a mental illness episode or event. She was a good person at her core, but the little gremlin in her mind that took control of her little control panel, like in Inside Out, whoever that was, whatever that was, we're just gonna call it the gremlin in her brain. That, that's what I'm talking about when I say anything negative. My mother, oh, love her. We watched Gilmore Girls all the time. I got a Gilmore Girls Harry Potter crossover tattoo. 
probably because of her, because she let me get my first tattoo when she was diagnosed with cancer, when I told her, ooh, I want the Deathly Hallows symbol with something written in your handwriting, and she was like, what is it? And I was like, always. And she was like, oh, that's about love, right? And I was like, yeah. And then she let me do it. Um, and by let me, I know I was a grown adult, but she didn't like tattoos, and what am I gonna do? Disrespect my mother? <laughs> Come on, get real. So anyway, where was I going? Right, if she had smoked joints instead of cigarettes, just think of how much less miserable she would have been. Because honestly, the cigarettes may have chilled her out, but they didn't get her out of her head. For me, I think that if there had been another substance in that little wrapped up piece of paper, she would have gotten a lot, a lot of the help that she needed a lot sooner, um, both for her mental health and her physical health. The reason why I say this is because <laughs> I'm going somewhere with all this, I promise. I realized the other day that I haven't really talked about the process of my mom being sick with anybody. There's a select few people and I think I might have made like a couple videos about it a long, long, long time ago on my old channel, but my mother didn't just go into the hospital, be sick, and then pass away. There was an entire journey, like, between finding out that she had cancer to her departure. And I realized this the other day when one of my best friends was like, oh, like, how did it happen? Like, she had no idea. So, um, naturally, because my closest, just core group of people doesn't know about this, uh, I might as well put it on a podcast for the entire internet to hear. Welcome, let's get down to it. So it was Christmas. I think I had just gotten back from Mexico with Luke's family. That was lovely and so nice. And uh, long story short, my family exploded on Boxing Day, so I took a greyhound in the middle of the night to where Luke's family lived and was safe. <laughs> and that was nice. Um, but my mom ended up going to the hospital that night also, I believe, either that night or the next night. And she said, like, she was coughing, 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 whatever. Um, and she went to the hospital and they were like, oh, yeah, you have cancer in your lungs and just, like, were super rude about it and had poor bedside manner, which I don't believe that. Um, I'm not entirely sure if I believe that that's how it went down. I believe that's how she perceived it. But, yeah, long story short, she left the hospital, never went back, never followed up, never mentioned the C word again. Um, she thought they were just trying to scare her because they didn't like her, um, because she... There were a lot of conspiracies in our lives. Um, everybody was always out to get her and out to take her down. So that's what these doctors were doing. So that was, I guess, the end of December 2013. And then fast forward to the end-ish of August 2014. She was found unconscious in her home. Um, she had been there alone with my brother who was never told about what to do in an emergency um, because that wouldn't happen. <laughs> um, I was never really taught as a kid either like what you're supposed to do in an emergency because it wasn't gonna happen. Unfortunately, it did. 
Um, and what my brother did was made sure my mom was comfortable. I assume he thought he was, she was sleeping, but he doesn't talk about it and I'm not going to pressure him to talk about it. So, um, but she was found by a neighbor in her home. So they called me and I went to go pick up my brother. Um, we went to visit my mom in the hospital that she was taken to and they were like, oh yeah, we think it's cancer started in her lungs, spread to her brain and we think lymph nodes turns out it was metastasized in her brain lymph nodes and liver so by the end of her life she just looked like a pregnant skeleton for lack of a better term um but that's what she looked like anyway so off and on she was like in and out of the hospital for a few months they gave her like two and a half ish months to live and she doubled that naturally because she was very determined and her body was running on willpower alone towards the end. But yeah, so I just wonder sometimes <laughs> if it all would have gone down that way if she would have been just a stoner. Like, can you imagine if she smoked as much weed as she did cigarettes? I think I would have had the most magical childhood. I don't know if I was going somewhere with this. I had to stop for a while in the middle because my dog was throwing up. He's not feeling great today, but I feel fine. I have accomplished a lot in my home today. I ran the dishwasher. I did a load of laundry. I folded three loads of laundry <laughs> and put them away. Um, you know, the ones that you just keep in the hamper for a month until you physically run out of clothes and have to put them away. That's what I did today. And I also scrubbed the bathroom, um, so that was fun. But none of it really feels like... D tell me if you are a person who has a condition that makes it hard for them to work full-time. Does it ever feel like when you accomplish stuff, it doesn't count because it's not earning you money? Because I struggle with that a lot. I'm always busy, I always have something that I'm doing, but unfortunately, most of my stuff that I do is online content, and... It, it it isn't paying my bills. <laughs> it straight up isn't paying my bills yet, and that's okay. Um, I'm a makeup artist, and when I do have work, it's great, but in, like, the freelance film world, you don't get paid on a schedule. It's not like every two weeks you can count on a paycheck. There's always a wait time. Sometimes it's up to 40 days, between you submitting your invoice and you getting paid and that's because the company that you work for has to get paid by the client and then they have to pay you but the client doesn't usually pay in full until the product has been delivered which is the film has been completed that's how it is for corporate stuff from my very limited understanding um i'm just a makeup artist that kind of is trying to grasp an understanding on uh, <laughs> why it takes so long to get paid all the time. Probably because I'm a makeup artist. But when I'm between paychecks and between gigs, I sometimes lose motivation because one of the symptoms of my complex PTSD is depression. I think my doctor diagnosed me with like depression and anxiety. Um, but I just, all of the things that I experience, like my sensory issues, um, dissociation, like depersonalization, derealization, panic attacks and stuff, all of the things that could be from another disorder, like my, um, my therapist told me once that some of my, like, things, <laughs> you know, some of my, like, mannerisms and, like, things that I do and the ways that I do things have an OCD flavor to them. 
but I just think it's a bunch of symptoms of CPTSD. I am very comfortable just under that one term <laughs> instead of like, oh, I have depression, anxiety, OCD, friggin' all these other things. Um, I guess complex PTSD on top of that. I just, I, CPTSD is the thing <laughs> that I have and all of these symptoms are the annoying things that come from the thing that I have. When I lose motivation and can't really get anything done, that sucks. But something that also kind of sucks that I discovered today is that when you do have the energy to do all these things and you get your house in order and you get your life in order and you record this amazing podcast and you edit the video that's going up on your channel next and you put out a tweet for your small business, you do all of these things that are part of your so-called like job when you're starting a small business or trying to be a YouTuber and you're not getting paid for any of it. One of the things that I struggle with is do I bring enough to the table? Because when I'm not earning money, I like to try to make sure I'm at least making the house livable for myself and the others who <laughs> live here with me. But just everything in the world today is so financial. Everything is about money. Like if you're not successful, it's because you don't have enough money. If you are successful, it's because you have too much money. And that just really sucks when you have a condition that makes it hard for you to go out into the world and just earn money. I'm opening a coffee shop with my friends, but I think I would definitely dissociate my way through a shift working at like a Starbucks or something. Because unfortunately, like this makes me sound like such a quote unquote snowflake, but I have like an issue with authority because it was always such a huge theme in my childhood that like if I do something wrong, I'm absolutely in trouble. Uh, so just even constructive criticism sometimes can literally trigger me and send me into an episode. And that is not the person I want to be. And that just sucks. And I love to hear feedback and I love to find out if I'm doing something wrong or if I could be doing something better. Please let me know. But unfortunately... When that happens, if I'm, like, confronted by a figure of authority, I'm not even being confronted, but it feels like it. And then my body goes straight into its survival mode, and it just sucks. It's embarrassing, and I think something that not a lot of people actually understand, something that I haven't even understood up until recently-ish, um is that you are not your condition. Your symptoms do not define who you are as a person. And that's why it's so frustrating to me that based on my symptoms, if you looked at me on paper, I'm afraid of everything. I am super emotionally unregulated. I zone out a lot and can't retain information very well. I have a very spotty memory. I can be blunt and sharp with my words when I'm feeling threatened and in the middle of an episode. So it's just like, that's not who I am. But those are the things that my body literally brings out of me. And I know it's kind of like, hmm, okay, your body does it. Is that because your brain is in your body? And funny, no, the answer is no. Um, it is a mental disorder because it's 
with the wiring in your brain and everything, but your, I mean, your friggin' what is it, your nervous system, whichever version of it, it goes into danger mode. Like, <laughs> like your body is designed to survive. And unfortunately, more often than not, my body is in survival mode. Like my heart will be racing. I'll have cortisol and adrenaline just like seeping out of my pores. It's fun. Um, that's an exaggeration. <laughs> it doesn't actually, the, the stress hormone does not seep out of my pores, but gosh, it feels like it. And a good example of it is the other day, Luke and I were driving down the street and I was in the middle of having an episode, a medical event, as they say, because um, I didn't bring Sadie with me because we were picking something up from somebody's house, and I was like, oh, I don't want to bring a dog to somebody else's house. And anyway, um, so I didn't have my service dog in training with me. And I told him, like, I just need to focus on staying alive right now. And that <laughs> it sounds so funny when it's like, a Friday afternoon and you're just cruising down 16th Ave in Calgary and you feel like you're dying. Like it literally feels like you are dying and you don't know why and you don't know what the cause is. And like when you get triggered and you don't realize it, <laughs> I know that I've been triggered because I feel like I'm dying. And like, that's the best way that I can explain it is you can, I can't focus on anything else around me. It's just sheer panic and survival. Like, I need to lay down. I need to get a glass of water in me. Like, I'm going to die. And I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know when. But I get the feeling it's here now. And for some reason, that doesn't make sense in reality. But in my mind, in that moment, like, yes, it's possible. We're going to die. Um, not we, just me. Don't worry. You're going to be fine. It's just a lot. It's a lot to go through just in the middle of the day. And now imagine that when you're at work. I'm lucky enough in my career to have the privilege of working with people that I like working with. Like, I can say no to somebody if I don't want to work with them or don't feel particularly attached to that project or if I feel like the subject matter is going to trigger me, then I absolutely have learned to say no to those gigs because it's not worth the paycheck that I won't even earn because I won't even be there on the day. Like <laughs> My body will be there, but my mind won't be. And I don't want to leave my career in the hands of someone whose consciousness is outside of their body. That sounds really weird, but just if I ever, if you're a filmmaker and you're listening to this and I say no to your project about like mother-daughter stuff or cancer stuff or child abuse, just know that it's because I think your project is going to be so good that it's going to trigger me. So it's not a bad thing if I tell you no. <laughs> it's just bad for me because I don't get to work with you or have the money. But imagine being in like a so-called real job where you have a nine-to-five job, go to an office. Um, one of my best friends, two of them actually, work in medical offices. And I just don't understand how people can do that. You come into contact with so many different people, with so many different stories. One of my friends works in a fertility clinic, I believe, so that's already, like, my heart. I couldn't do that with or without CPTSD. I could not work 
in a fertility clinic, it would just, it would, I'd feel too many things all day, every day. And I think it takes a special kind of angel to work in the medical field. I just imagine if I dissociated at work in one of those jobs, like people's health is on the line. Um, so I would absolutely be able to bring my service dog in there. I think, I think that's a thing. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be in like an operating room. So they legally, once she has her certification, they couldn't tell me no. So like once Sadie is fully certified and go to my YouTube channel, if you're thinking like, wait, the ADA, I live in Canada. Um, the Americans with Disabilities Act does not apply here because, you know, duh, Canada. Um, but some people don't know that I'm in Canada. So um, don't worry. Up here, unfortunately, we have to jump through hoops to get certification. But it's not from the internet. It is from the government. Anyway, until Sadie has her government ID card, um, that makes it impossible for anyone except for an operating room or a casino to tell us no. Um, but a casino wouldn't because we would be fully trained. You can't bring your service dog in training without a certified trainer into a casino in Calgary, I have learned. Um, at least, freaking, which one has Yuck Yucks and it's downtown-ish? Whichever one that is. If you're not from Calgary, don't even worry about it. Anyway, I super digress. Until my service dog is, like, fully ready to go, um, and I can bring her to work with me eight hours a day, Monday to Friday, it's just not realistic to expect that I could have, like, hold down that kind of job because I'm not, like, it's not realistic to assume that I'm gonna bring my, like, weighted blanket with me everywhere, which, you know, I wish I could. That would be so great. And it's not realistic to expect that someone will always be around and willing to put pressure on my body for me, like, to hold me in a hug, to tell my nervous system, like, you're fine, it's okay, it's okay. Like, that's a real thing. If you're ever panicking, get somebody to hug you really tight, get a dog to lay on your chest, lay underneath a weighted blanket. When I really, really need the pressure, I fold mine in half lengthwise down my body just to double up the weight. Um, the rest of the time, I kind of tuck it underneath myself and wrap myself up like a burrito. But yeah, if you're ever panicking and in fight or flight mode and you don't know why, just get some pressure on your chest and your arms and your legs. Um, and it'll help you. It'll help your body to calm down. Um, and your mind in turn. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've been going off on random tangents this episode and like that's exactly what I wanted to do. So that's good. I just hope it worked out for the best. I don't know. This feels like a natural place for me to kind of wander off. I just want to thank you one more time for listening. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions for future episodes or guests on future episodes, you can always send me an email at posttraumaticvictory at gmail.com. That is T for trauma, posttraumaticvictory at gmail.com. And you can find me on YouTube at posttraumaticvictory. And I think that's just about it. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next week with hopefully a very good episode. Um, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be great. Uh, you should absolutely follow this podcast, subscribe, listen, support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Kalila. Okay, bye!